Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we will be listening to and discussing the story of Prince Darling, a fairy tale originally written by a French female writer, Jean-Marie Le Prince de Beaumont. The prince in this story has to go through a lot of personal growth after annoying a powerful fairy, and he must turn into a terrifying beast to find true love and his happy ending. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy my version of Prince Darling. Once upon a time, there lived a very good king who was much beloved by everyone in his kingdom. One day, while he was out walking in the woods, he heard the sounds of a hunting party coming closer, when all at once a little white rabbit, panting and exhausted from running, leapt into his arms, trembling with fear. He stroked its soft fur and whispered to it, Fear not, little creature. I won't let anyone hurt you. You are safe now. Instantly, the rabbit jumped down and turned into a glowing white fairy who spoke to the astonished king. I am the fairy truth and I had heard that you were the kindest of men, and now I know it to be true. Ask me for anything that I may grant you some favor to reward you for your goodness. I have everything that I could possibly hope for, fairy, but if you could see your way clear to help my son, I would be ever in your debt. What riches would you ask for your son? asked the fairy. Why no riches at all, said the king. I merely wish my son to be a good man. What good would riches do him if he could not be a good man first? You are indeed a good father for wanting this, but I cannot make your son good, for that is something he has to do for himself. But I do promise to make him my friend and be his guardian and try to help him recognize the right path to follow, said the fairy. The king was heartened to hear the fairy's words, but within a year he fell ill and died. So the fairy appeared once more and sought out the prince who had just lost his father. The prince was a kindly but spoiled boy and he was grieving his father and wishing for his return. The fairy appeared before him in a swirl of white light and said, I promised your dear father that I would help to guide you along a righteous path and help you make the decisions that will make you a good man and a good king. Take this ring from my hand and wear it always. When you follow the right path, the ring will sit peacefully on your finger, but if you do something cruel or unkind or lash out in anger, the ring will pain you and you will know that you are on the wrong path. The prince, astonished at the appearance of the fairy, accepted the ring with a shaking hand and put it on his finger. A nursemaid had spoiled the prince while she raised him after his mother's death, but his general nature was good, and at first he endeavored to be a good king as he took his father's throne. He followed the advice of his trusted teacher, a man named Suleiman, and he strove to do the right thing. But even as he listened to his teacher's advice with one ear, in the other he allowed his best friend, who was his foster brother, to whisper bad advice in the other. Still, he was amiable enough at first, and the ring almost never pricked him. In fact, he was so well loved that his subjects called him Prince Darling the Happy. Then as time went on, he found himself becoming more and more ill-tempered. One day while he was out hunting, he began to grow angry because he couldn't catch anything. The ring pressed into his finger with his rising tide of anger, but it didn't prick him, and by the time he got back 
home, he was in a foul mood. As he entered his chamber, he was greeted by his little dog, who leapt with joy at seeing him. The king yelled at the dog to leave him alone, but the little animal, not knowing what game his master was playing with him, persisted in jumping and nipping at the king's clothing to get his attention. Finally, the king snapped, and he kicked the dog across the room. The poor animal whimpered in despair, and the ring bit down so hard on the king's finger that he cried out in pain and collapsed on the floor. The pain made him think about what he'd done to his dog, and he felt guilty about hurting his pet, resolving to do better. He tried once again to follow the path of goodness, but the whisperings of his foster brother convinced him that as a powerful king, it was only right that he should strike out when he was vexed, and he was convinced that it made him stronger. After a few more stings from the ring when he showed unkindness to others, the king took off the ring and flung it across the room. Then he heeded no call of conscience and became the terror of everyone around him. One day he was walking through the main village in his kingdom when he spotted a very fair maiden drawing water from the town well and went to strike up a conversation with the beautiful woman. You are very beautiful, said the young king. I am in search of a queen and you are the most attractive woman in my kingdom. Come with me to my palace and we will get to know one another better. The girl, whose name was Celia, looked up at him and said, I am only a poor girl who is a shepherdess and I am not suited for royal things. But even if I were, I would not ever consent to be your wife. The stories of your cruelty have traveled all over your kingdom, and I could never marry someone like you. The king was furious, and he walked back home humiliated and angry to speak to his foster brother. You must not let her speak to you like this, said the foster brother. You are the king, and you must prove your strength. If your subjects hear that she dealt you this insult, and you did nothing to her, they will never respect your authority again. Come, call for drinks so that we can discuss your best course of action. The wicked foster brother made sure that the king drank much strong liquor, and he roused his anger towards Celia to its peak, until finally he said to the king, You must order the girl's immediate arrest. Throw her in the dungeon and feed her only bread and water until she accepts her place and bends to your will. If she will not obey, she must be executed or sent into slavery. The young king, his head swimming, Swimming hesitated. But can I really arrest her just for turning down my proposal? She hasn't really done anything wrong. As he said this, he felt a faint twinge where the fairy ring used to prick him. Hasn't done anything wrong, shrieked the foster brother. She has endangered your rule, highness. Her disobedience will put ideas into the heads of all of the other peasants. No, you must quash this rebellion before it gets worse. The young king put aside his doubts and called for one of his soldiers, instructing the man to go and arrest the shepherdess at once on the charge of treason. The next morning, Celia was brought before him in chains, his head pounding from the last night's indulgences. The king looked at her coldly and said, You have been arrested on a charge of treason. You will be imprisoned in the dungeon until you can show proper respect for the king. If you do not, I will sell you off as a slave. Celia looked at him and said in a quiet voice, It does not matter what is done to me. I can feel no differently towards you because of your actions. The king angrily ordered the young woman locked in a cell and fed only bread and water. He waited two weeks and he went to see if she had changed her mind. But when the heavy cell door swung open, the king found the chamber empty and Celia was nowhere to be seen. The king raged through the castle, asking his soldiers where the captive was and how she had escaped. The king's foster brother came to him and said, 
I believe that the traitor Suleiman helped her to escape. I have it on good authority it is your old teacher who is responsible. See how the treason is spreading already. The king had his faithful old tutor brought to him in chains, but the man said nothing, and the king retired to his chambers. Suddenly, a clap of thunder sounded, and the very truth appeared in front of the startled king. You have set aside everything good in your quest for power. You are cruel, selfish, and vain, and you have become like a beast, destroying everything around you. I wanted to help you for your father's sake, but your beastliness makes that an impossible task. Your greed Greediness is like a wolf's, your anger makes you behave like a lion, your stubbornness is like a bull's, and you have turned on your old mentor like a snake. Now I contend you to the fate of an animal. In an instant, the young king found himself in a forest next to a brilliant, shining lake with a surface like a mirror. When he looked in the lake, he saw a horrifying sight. He had been transformed into a monster, with a body like a snake, a lion's head with bull horns, and the feet of a wolf. Then he heard the sounds of a hunting party galloping closer. Panicked, he ran deeper into the forest, but he fell into a deep pit dug by the hunters, and he was caught. The men marveled at their prize. We will show him in the town. This one will make us money, they exclaimed. They bound the king beast tightly, and he soon found himself in the largest town in his own kingdom, being mocked and jeered at by all the people in the town square. Then he overheard a couple of them talking. The new king is a man of honor. His reign will be long and just. Long live King Suleiman. Did you hear what happened? They say the cruel young king was struck by a bolt of lightning and disappeared. It was God's will for all of his evil deeds. Infuriated, the young king, now a beast, struggled angrily and snapped at his bonds. And then he saw his old tutor mounting a large stage and watched him crowned king. Suleiman stood up to talk and said, I accept this honor, but I am bound to say that I hope it will be temporary. I want all of you to remember what a kind person the young king was before he was swayed by the bad advice of false friends. Remember how you all called him Prince Darling? That man is still alive somewhere, and I hope he will return to us restored to his honor. The young king's heart and soul were struck by his old mentor's kind words, and at last he was broken of his pride and anger, and he resolved to be a better man, even if he had to live his life as a beast. Then he was taken to a menagerie to live as a caged animal. One day, he saw a lion escape from his cage and attack an animal keeper. Even though the man had been very cruel to the former king, he rushed out of his own cage and fought the lion and saved the man, who then patted him and thanked him. The young king heard the voice of fairy truth, saying, A good deed shall not go undone. And suddenly he was transformed into a little white dog, and he ran off happily until he was adopted by the new queen. One day the queen gave him a small loaf of bread to eat, and he took it out into the garden. But before he could eat it, he heard cries coming from across a field, and he ran towards the sound, finding himself at a strange house with crying, starving people stumbling out of it. He found a little girl who was too weak from hunger to move, and he offered her his bread. She said, Thank you, kind pup. I've been trapped in that house where there is no food or comfort, and I thought I would die there. At that moment, the young king once again heard the fairy truth say, A good deed will always be rewarded. 
and he found himself transformed into a beautiful white dove, and he flew away free and happy. But he never stopped thinking about the wrong he had done to Celia, so he flew far and wide, searching her out. Finally, he spotted her sitting at a campfire with an old hermit. The dove flew down and perched on her shoulder, and she gently stroked his feathers while he nuzzled her cheek. What a dear bird you are, and it seems that you have chosen me, so in return, I promise to love you and be yours forever. Are you quite sure about about that? asked the hermit. Oh yes, said Celia. Then it shall be so, said the hermit, who threw off her clothes to reveal that she was actually the fairy truth. She waved her arm over the dove, and the young king was restored to his true form. He took Celia in his arms, apologizing for the harm he had caused her, and declaring his love for her, he said, I hope you meant those words. If you want me to return to my bird self so that you can keep loving me, I'll gladly accept that fate in exchange for your love. Celia always loved you, said Truth. Your cruelty and selfishness didn't let you see that, but your heart led you to her, and now you have redeemed yourself. It is time to return to your kingdom. Young King Darling brought Celia back to the palace, and King Suleiman graciously surrendered his crown, thankful to have his beloved student restored to the kingdom and to the throne as a good man. The king and his new queen ruled long and justly, and they lived happily ever after. The End I hope you enjoyed Prince Darling, which is also known as Prince Charie en français. It's a French literary tale written by Jean-Marie Le Prince de Beaumont around the year 1748. A version of the story was included in Andrew Lang's popular Blue Fairy book published in 1889. I love this story. It's a story of redemption and it kind of gives me hope and a reminder that even a cruel, unfair person can redeem themselves if they have the right experiences and then learn the right lessons from those experiences. The old king at the beginning of the story seems to have doubts about his son's ability to be a good man and asks a fairy to help him develop a good character. But the king has to be satisfied with the fairy's answer that she can't magically make the prince a good man. It's a choice the prince will have to make for himself. And it's a moral dilemma that every person kind of has to confront at some point in life. The fairy ring in the story is interesting. It's a, a literary device in the story and it serves as an outside conscience for the prince. It knows right and wrong better than the prince does, and it serves to remind him of his character flaws and weaknesses. The young king throws the ring away when its reminders start annoying him, and this is important symbolism in the story. People mentally ignore their own consciences and their own subconscious morality when they are doing something they know is wrong, but they wish to do it anyway. Just the way Disney's Pinocchio ignores his external conscience, Jiminy Cricket, when he gives advice Pinocchio doesn't want to follow. Just like human conscience, the ring gives the young king an uncomfortable twinge when he's doing something wrong and he doesn't like it one bit. In the original story, the young king has several bad advisors. His foster brother gives the worst counsel, but he also brings in other minor characters to encourage the young king into rash actions. I streamlined the bad influences down to just the foster brother with a single mention of the nursemaid who raised the prince as a privileged brat. The author of Prince Darling, Jean-Marie uh, Le Prince, whose last 
last name, ironically enough, literally translates to the prince, lived from 1711 to 1780 and moved from her birthplace in France to London to get away from her cheating husband. She took a job there as a governess and it was during her years of working at that position that she wrote several fairy tales, including Prince Darling. She also became a novelist. While it's always risky to speculate on how a long-dead author's life experiences influence their work, I think it's pretty funny that the story of Prince Darling makes mention of a nursemaid who spoiled the prince and contributed to his turning into a thoughtless, uncaring, and even cruel king. It makes me wonder if the character of the nursemaid, which the author only mentions briefly in the original story as a bad influence on the prince, actually embodies her own fears that she might have been raising a couple of selfish brats while she worked as a nursemaid. I like reading fairy tales that are actually credited to a female author in the distant past. Uh, a lot of fairy tales probably had female authors, at least that's one theory, but uh, those early storytellers don't get credit. I've mentioned in a previous episode that it was not uncommon for well-educated women to take up literary careers in France during the 1700s. I may also have mentioned a book I read called Enchanted Eloquence, which presents the life stories and the fairy tale creations of five female writers who lived during an active time for women authors in France during the 1700s, a group known collectively as La Chanteuse, or the Storytellers. The fairy tales, or contes de fées, as they are known in French, were a very popular genre, and even the most serious writers, both male and female, were trying out the literary form at that time. The fairy tales of the French women writers from this period don't always have happily ever after endings, but Prince Darling certainly does. And I hope you find your own way to happiness this week, until we meet again in Fable City Radio.